Welcome into episode 68 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today I am happy to be joined once again by Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how are you? Jack, I'm well. Sitting here looking at SunTrust Park here in Atlanta, we're still... uh, Everybody else has left, but we're still here. Yeah, we are. Uh, we we came down here for Kentucky's matchup against the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets in the uh, holiday hoops giving event that they have down here. That's going to be featuring several high profile teams here in the next week or two. Uh, and Kentucky had the opportunity to tip off the event in such beautiful, just majestic fashion. It was really just a high quality basketball affair uh, that all that everybody just grows up dreaming of. You, when, yeah, you know, you have to be describing the chicken salad sandwich I had, right? Because that's the only thing that was beautiful and majestic about last night that's, at State Farm Arena. Uh, no, in all seriousness, no one thought that this team would be one in three at this point. I, I think two and two at worst, maybe just given the situation. But I mean, this is a team that's spiraling right now, Jerick, Jack, and I don't know if they know what the answers are right now. I don't know if they know the solution to it. I don't even know if Calipari knows what the solution is. I think he – I wrote this. I did a um, – you saw me in my most passionate state last night writing the most just – all right, my, like my – I had a vent session with the keyboard. I just went at it, just all my in-depth thoughts of, all right, this is a broken, broken basketball team right now across the board. Offensively, they have no idea what they're doing. It is a gross – just just overwhelmingly bad affair. Defensively, there are a lot of bright spots that you could point out. You know, you, you like what you see out of Isaiah Jackson. There's some other uh, individual pieces that you could kind of look at and go, okay, I'm working with. But for the most part, lazy, not a lot of hole, not a lot of effort, especially when they get behind. And that's my biggest my I think my biggest takeaway with this whole event is Kentucky did not play like the desperate team dying to get back in the win column that that they needed to be. I mean, at one and two, you just got embarrassed. Well, not embarrassed. Again, it was going against a top ten team in Kansas in the Champions Classic. You, you know, you, you feel okay walking away with a loss there. Against a very talented Richmond team, very experienced, very strong, powerful, you know, the – those type of teams you're comfortable losing to. So to start the season one and two, it wasn't embarrassing. It wasn't a horrible, you know, horrible start to the season. It was underwhelming for sure. But this is the game that makes you go, all right, we need a fix, and we need a fix right the second. Yeah, I said it to you. We were sitting there, I think, uh, maybe, what, three of us on press row there? (laughs) If that, yeah. And I said it to you. I said, look, I said, I will officially hit the panic button if they lose tonight. Right now I'm sitting on it because yeah. they didn't just lose. They got their tails kicked. And I don't know. Like, I looked at it. I think the play – there was a play the very first possession of the second half where Terrence Clark, I think he the ball got deflected, and he assumed that it was going out of bounds. Oh, yeah. Instead of just giving effort, and then it leads to a Georgia Tech basket the other way. That's all you needed to see to know how that second half was going to go was that play right there. Even Calipari in the postgame press conference, I said this last night, I, I said – he doesn't even know what he wants to say right now. He uh, come out and said that he needs to play guys less minutes that are making turnovers. Okay, who's he going to play? Because every single player has a turnover problem right now. Then every single player on the roster have at least two turnovers. At, at least two out of the guys of, that of, played of, yeah. significant time. Uh, once again, some lineup questions. 
I looked at you one time and I said, what are they doing with this lineup right here? Like, this is a key point in the game. Then they went to the small ball lineup, and for a second, I looked at you and said, okay, this is the lineup. They got better shots. Didn't stick with it. Uh, Olivier Saar, for the longest point in that game, what, two points, two rebounds mm-hmm. for about the first 23 minutes? Yeah. He's supposed to be the guy that has some experience, that knows how. That's a team that he faced. I mean, that's an ACC program. He didn't show up. Yeah. And then here's the other thing. There is no way Kentucky sees man-to-man defense at any point the rest of the way until they show that they can do some things differently. Georgia, Georgia Tech had the blueprint last night, how to beat Kentucky. And, it, sure, shots fall, shots were falling, but I think we found out Kentucky's issues were deeper than the three-point struggles they had. And that's that's probably the one thing that makes you just scratch your head. I mean, I wrote down a bunch of the stats. Um, you know, Kentucky hit eight three-pointers on 42.1% shooting. They um, – also shot 44.9% as a team, hit 10 of 11 uh, from the free throw line, out-rebounded Georgia Tech by five, finished with more second-chance uh, second points, uh, second-most assists of the year with 16. All of those numbers are, are, are things that we would go – that after the last couple games we were going, okay, if we hit all of those notches, Kentucky's winning that basketball game. You, you feel comfortable with that level of production – but when you finish with 21 turnovers and 33 points off said turnovers, it shows that it, that is a careless basketball team. It's one that is trying to force the issue too often, and it's one that, that frankly, it gets overwhelmed way too – this is a team that should not be sped up and have the pace dictated by a, a, a zero, an 0-2 Georgia Tech team that is, has losses against Georgia State and Mercer. That is not a team that should that should dictate the, the spacing of the floor, that should dictate the speed of the game. They allowed Georgia Tech to control the basketball game. They were overwhelmed across the board from start to finish. They were. Uh, I told you there last night, I don't know how many times I looked down there to you and said something like, what in the world are we watching right now? Like, what are they doing? Um, effort was missing last night. And I think that's the biggest thing that stands out to me. A lot of those turnovers were just careless turnovers. Like B.J. Boston, one time he was locked in on trying to make a pass and just completely forgot to secure the basketball. And they just stripped him and went the other way for a layup. It's turnovers that you see happen in elementary basketball games or middle school basketball games. It's not turnovers (laughs) that you see happen at this level of basketball. I don't know. I'm I'm – Ready to hit the panic button. I'm hitting it. I know you and I talked after Moorhead State. The team, how bad's Moorhead State? I think that's the fair that, thing about this. Sheesh. Uh, I'm eating some crow right now on this podcast. I think we all uh, we are. We all are. Even fans, all of us are in this together. Uh, and can I say something else too? Absolutely. The reason why that we were pumping this team up is because John Calipari pumped this team up yeah. in the preseason. Every opportunity he had talking to the to the local media, talking on you know his his Zoom pod meetings that he would have you know every couple of weeks with the you know kind of local and national media, and then he'd go on ESPN, he'd go on national you know radio stations, and and every single opportunity he said, oh boy, we got to play this the, season, we have to. We the have only to. thing that would stop this team is the is the COVID nineteen. He made that. I remember you wrote it. From yeah. I can't remember what interview that was from. Yeah, but he said that. Yeah, and that's this no like in years where they struggle, he kind of gives Kentucky fans the blueprint. He tells them at media day, or he tells them ahead of time. Look, this team, it's going to take some time. But it this didn't happen until after that Sunday night scrimmage where they looked really bad. So I want to know what were they doing before that? 
Because you can't tell me they were looking good up to that, and then it starts looking bad three days before the regular season. One scrimmage breaks everything? And then here's the next thing, too. We shouldn't have been fooled that Wednesday night after the beat Moorhead State. Because you know what he talked about in his post-game press conference? The schedule. And he said, don't be mad at these kids. Be mad at me. It's true. That was after a 40-point win. So I think we all kind of just looked at the scoreboard. But those problems that they're having now were there in that 40-point win. They just weren't exposed because Moorhead State couldn't match up. That's the thing that I'm taking away from this right now is after – I want to go back and listen to that Moorhead State press conference, and I encourage every single person listening to this podcast to do the same because I think he saw what was coming. Yeah. Because he, he mentioned that. after You don't do that after a 40-point win. Yeah. And I, I do want to go back to last night, the post-game press conference. Three questions. Three questions, six minutes and 13 seconds total. And that's the other thing about it. When it's questions with Cal, he can turn. He knows how to turn a post-game press conference into just a just a discussion listening to him talk. Yeah. He knows how to talk his way out of things. He did not want to talk last night about this. That's I have a problem with that just because fans, fans are upset. Fans want to know. We want to know as media covering the team, what's the issue? But when you ask three questions – and sometimes he doesn't even answer the question. I have a problem with that because he said, guys, i got to get off here. we got to get on the bus. Davion Mintz was still sitting there. And i got to be honest, Davion Mintz impressed the hell out of me. He mm-hmm. came out there and he acknowledged, yes, we are a broken basketball team. There are a lot of issues. I'm at fault for a lot of things. i got to stop turning the ball over. We as a collective unit have a lot of things to fix. He said uh, specifically, we've dug ourselves a hole. But he promised to get this team out of it. He said, I understand what the issues are. We all understand what the issues are right now. We're being careless. You know, go go down the list of issues. They, they understand. They, and, they do. And he was willing to say, we have dug ourselves a hole. We understand that this is a very tough situation. You guys hate watching this team right now because it, it's just not a fun experience. Nothing about this team makes you – Want to go? Oh, how you know? How many hours until tip off? How, how many days until we get our next Kentucky basketball game? Right now, it's almost like, oh, gosh, we got to. Uh, I really hope they turn it around this night. You know, I, I, I think a lot of fans are just already kind of just burned out with. You know, I think the biggest argument that a lot of the fans, personally, in the comment section of the articles that we've been writing, DMing me, you know, tweeting at me. Most of those questions and concerns are basically like, I think the one and done's over. I think the the way things are running right now, we aren't bought in enough with this team anymore. We don't feel any emotional connection to them. And every chance that they have an opportunity to show us that emotional connection, you know, Terrence Clark is one of the most likable, likable kids you could probably you could dream of. BJ Boston is a charismatic, confident, swaggy kid that in, in in past years, those type of kids you gravitate toward. Those are the ones that you go, oh man, that's a fan favorite right there. But right now, there are no fan favorites. This team is just I feel like there's a disconnect right now with the program. And you know, it's it's just a t- it's a tough situation for everybody, and and I know that Calipari's. You know, he he said over and over again, nobody's harder on themselves after a loss than me. I spend twenty four hours after every single game. You know, I think he knows that everybody's harping on him, and I think he he ignores a lot of the noise. But at the same time, I I he is sharing our same frustrations. There's no way he watches this film and goes, "Eh, we'll be fine." I think you wow. know, I think he has a pain. I mean, there's a reason that he said after that scrimmage on Sunday night going into the season, he said, "Don't be shocked if we go 0 and 6." And I know that was him, you know, that was hyperbole and 
there was no chance that we were going to go zero and six. I mean, one and three isn't all that off from that. But you know, there one. It was it was an exaggeration on his part on purpose to lower that expectation. One and one and five is a real possibility. Well, Detroit's now in there, but that I don't think you can assume they that played one Michigan anymore. State hard. And here's the thing: if Brad Calipari goes into Rupp Arena and shoots well. And they, that game's competitive, or they beat Kentucky. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but also after what we've watched for the first two weeks, you can't say it won't happen. That's oh. concerning. But I did just look up. Uh, Olivier Sard does not play well against Georgia Tech. Does he not? He does not play well against Georgia Tech. What were, what were his past numbers? So last year they lost 86-79. He played 23 minutes. He had foul trouble. He finished with 11 points, four rebounds. So not really a great not game. Not that from far him. off from what he and then brought last night. Years prior, it was I think he hit maybe a couple of shots against Georgia Tech. This one, so from his sophomore season, he went one of five from the floor, four points, five rebounds, four fouls, and then uh, I think his freshman year he played like maybe seven or eight minutes with nothing. So like maybe maybe we should have uh, probably looked at that in the past. The good news is he plays really well against Notre Dame. So That's, that would be the oh, that would man. be the eye opening thing to me Sunday is if he doesn't or Saturday if he doesn't have a good game against Notre Dame, Kentucky looks poorly on offense again. That's the concerning part. As I said it after the loss to Kansas, I said now's where you fix the issues. You couldn't fix it enough in a day between Richmond and Kansas. You had one practice. They had Wednesday. They had Thursday. They had Friday. They had Saturday. It looked worse. It did. That's the thing. And now you've got a full week in between it. And this is the other thing, too. I would like to keep saying that this team's going to get it figured out by March because we know the blueprint. We know the culture at Kentucky that they get it figured out by then. This isn't a normal March. This isn't a normal year. They're a pause away from losing days of practice that this team needs. This isn't a normal year. We can't just assume that they're going to get it figured out. I'm not ready to say that they won't get things figured out. But I think that's that also has to concern. And what's their resume right now? Here's the other thing. This last night's game said more about Kentucky than it did about Georgia Tech. By far. You don't lose to Georgia State and Mercer and then get it figured out against Kentucky. You don't. Yeah. You just don't. This – I mean, it's it truly leaves you speechless because – you can live with missed shots against Kansas. You can you can live with frustration on offense not being able to find open open looks. You can live with things like that. They did all of those things against Georgia Tech. In an, in a normal ideal world, Kentucky beats Georgia Tech last night by twenty. And I even looked at you. There were uh, they had cut the lead to three points, I believe, with fifteen minutes to go. Right in that right in that time frame, I looked over at you and I said. Kentucky can still win this game by 20, and everybody would shut up. If if Kentucky could use that last 15 minutes of the game to go, all right, toss out the last 25 minutes, that that was all absolute garbage. We know we played like trash. This is, okay, let's get past that, whatever. We have 15 minutes. Let's go on a run. They found something. We we both, you know, th- that small ball lineup where they had Isaiah Jackson at the five and B- was was it BJ Boston at the four that it they was you, what, it yeah was, it was uh, it was a mix. It of, was the two point guards Clark and Boston and Jackson. Yeah, and then they it went downhill when they took Jackson out of the game and made that switch, and then it kind of flurried out to another double figure or double digit deficit. I just yeah. don't know. I think right now when you look at this roster and you look at the way guys are playing, they're not playing like who they are. Uh, Devin Askew does not resemble himself right now. Yeah. 
And that's not a knock on Devin Askew. That is more of a I'm concerned about it just because that's not who he was. Uh, the thing about Devin Askew, Jack, that you and I have seen ever since we've been covering him is his confidence. Yeah. It's, it, you can't break the kid. Yeah. He's, he's broken right now. Yeah. Like you can see, he won't even take a shot. He is overthinking every single time he catches the ball. He's trying to do something, and that's not his game. Like his game should be right now to shoot the basketball because that's how he impacts this team. And I think by the end of the year, that will be his impact. Yeah. So I, that's the thing that I'm looking at. I don't know enough about Davion Mintz to know what he was. But yeah. we watched enough Devin Askew. We watched enough B.J. Boston. These guys aren't who they – they're not playing to their strengths. Yeah. I mean, I think that Devin Askew point is, is fantastic because he did so many good things and put himself in so many great positions. It's like he would make a dribble move, he'd create some space, he'd get into that intermediate level free throw line and have an open look or, you know, he, he was in that ground where where you'd like to be, that open space where you're like, okay, either I can take this open shot or somebody around me is going to be open. Somebody around me is going to be able to do that. And he gets to that point, and he, it's like he tells himself, "Oh, I shouldn't be here at this point. I gotta do. I gotta do something." It's like he he has the confidence and the pure ability to do a lot of great things, and then he psychs himself out. And there were a couple times that he had wide open looks on the fast break at the three. There was there was one one play in particular that he had a perfect look, something that he yeah. he hit that jump shot a thousand times in high school. It was that. On the you know on the break that leak out that that wing catch and shoot three That's his game. he caught it looked and I mean there wasn't anybody within seven eight feet of him he looked and where he would usually pull up and, and knock down that shot he decided to dribble it you know over dribble and and kind of put himself in in the middle and and kind of got caught up and and I think he turned the ball over then and it was just like dude make that shot. That's your game. Like we saw what happened. His, his one catch and shoot opportunity. That was an open look. It was a beautiful, you know, basketball play that got him, you know, created space for him. He knocked it down without even thinking about it. He is that type of player. And it's, I I don't even think it's just ask you. I think everybody is looking at, everybody's looking at this and overthinking it. They, they have lost confidence in themselves. And I, I think, they're not. There's. There's no chemistry with one another. Well, and I'll, I'll say this too. I think this needs to be a split thing. Some. A lot of this is on Cal. A lot of this is on the players. Uh, that's why there has to be a middle ground here, and they have to come together and get it figured out. I will tell you this. I think this might be the least fundamentally sound basketball team I've ever seen come through Kentucky in the John Calipari era. That's fair. And it's. And that's not on Cal. Fundamentals. These guys didn't have to have fundamentals to play well in high school, Jack. They didn't have to have fundamentals to play very well at the EYBL level. Yeah. They're so good, so talented, so skilled that they can just overpower. At this level, it doesn't matter if it's a three-star center playing for Georgia Tech. who's a He's a college basketball player. College basketball players get better over the course of three to four years. Fundamentals have to carry you. That's the difference. Fundamentals with the talent. Right now, guys aren't making bounce passes when they should be making bounce passes. Uh, our buddy David Sisk, our co-host, put up a clip last night of Terrence Clark catching the ball in the corner, and there's Olivier Saar, who's has a seal, and if, if he drops it, it's a basket. Yeah. Didn't even look. His eyes were right back to B.J. Boston. Get the ball out of my hands. And that's that's fundamental basketball. You have to be able to see the floor. Uh, one-handed passes. Two, uh, 
effort. Yeah. Effort's what I keep coming back to as well. If you if you don't play fundamentally sound basketball and you don't care, because right now it looks like a lot of guys that don't care, but here's the thing. Who's out there to tell them that this isn't acceptable? Yeah. There's nobody that knows this isn't acceptable at Kentucky. Keon Brooks is the, one is the guy. only guy yeah. that can say this isn't acceptable, but how can he make a change? That's yeah, the other he thing. he can't be out there. there. There's also no way that we can expect a guy who – what four points a game last year to come in and just be an instant savior yeah. that's the thing that i'm holding off on though I, I think this team will look better with him but it's not going to be just him that fixes it it has to be a collective effort and right now this team just needs something good to happen they yeah. need to fight their ass off and get a really good win against the notre dame team saturday yeah. and get moving in the right direction yeah. that's the that's the only thing that i think they just need to win mm-hmm. and do it collectively and see okay this is how you win. Yeah. You come together and do it. Because right now they've not done it the last three games. Making a jump shot for the first time after a long cold streak. You know, it's it's one of those you got to see the ball th- go through the net, whether it be at the free throw line, whether it be knocking down a three. You just got to see it with your own eyes. Okay, oh, this this right here is that winning formula. This is This is how we do it. If there's one positive takeaway of this game is that – and, you know, there, there are a lot of fans that after after the game said, "Oh, uh, here's it's Nerland's year, 2.0, 2013. It's you know that that this team overshadows that team in terms of pure talent by far. In terms of individual talent, it does. I still to this day have no issue with this roster. Well, I think I think as a collective unit, individual pieces, not to not not a, as, as a cohesive group, as individual players." The, this team has the pieces to win a title. It's that next. It's that once, next step. Once Nerlens Noel went down with that injury that year, Julius Mays was their best player. Yes, Davion Mintz isn't Kentucky's best player. Right. So that's the thing. There's talent here. I'm to the point, Jack, that we tried this week to compare a team to who you know what Kentucky team does this team compare to. And I kept going through the list, and 2013 kept standing out. But it's not fair. The only reason that I'm comparing it is because they're not winning. Yeah. And they look bad. That's not fair. Yeah. So I'm to the point, I'm not comparing this to any other Calipari team because it's not an any other Calipari year. It's a weird year. COVID-19 certainly did hurt this team. I mean, they're, they how much contact did they have up until the preseason? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what August practice was like. Uh, I don't know what September practices were like. But it's not a normal year. It's not a normal type of development setting. I mean, they obviously they're isolated. They're we don't know the effect that it's having on these kids. I don't. I don't. It's having an effect on me. Yeah. I, I don't know how these kids navigate this. But at the same time, I'm not using it as a crutch or an excuse. This team has to figure it out. They have to get better. And John Calipari has to put a better product on the floor. He's going to have to answer for it this mm-hmm. season. There's not going to be any three question, six minute press conferences. At some point, he has to speak up and figure this thing out. Right now, it can't be all these excuses, oh, turnovers here, oh, we'll get better, oh, we're young. Justin Rowland said it best last night. Being young is a choice. Mm-hmm. That's and, true. And it's not an excuse anymore. I, that's – yeah, but I think that's – here's the other thing about it. You've dev- you've set this culture. E.J. Montgomery, Ashton Higgins, a lot of these guys who did not get drafted, yes, signed a couple signed two-way, two-way deals. But when you're losing those people to the NBA and then you have COVID – and then you have ten new faces. You get this, yeah. And, and I, I mean, I got to admit too, you. I, I got to see this for the first time in the Champions Classic in Banker's Life Fieldhouse, a and large, echoey 
abyss of a basketball facility with not a single fan in the stands. We got that exact same thing at State Farm Arena where a a group of kids this young and inexperienced that have never played together need they need support they need they need to be able to look in the stands and go, "Oh, they think I'm doing they think I'm doing the right thing right now. They are approving of my game." Right now, they have no idea if what they're doing right now is is I mean they they are it, it, you just could not find a worse playing environment for a group of kids this young and this inexperienced and this many new faces. I mean, it, it's an eerie. It's a it, it's a just a bizarre basketball watching experience from press row. I could not even imagine the sound of every single dribble of a basketball echoing through the entire gym with the only voice that you hear being your coach and the and your teammates and I guess you know the opposition as well but not being able to hear any fans any cheering I mean there's no momentum there's there's no shift for you know possibility for momentum shifts because there's no there's no fan support right now. There's it's there's not. no way. It's it, they're watching it through their TV, and yeah, they're screaming and hollering well, and and having a good time from from their couches. But they don't know that. No, there, there's nothing there to get these guys going and to create energy. That's and Callis said it this week. They got to create their own energy. Uh, how do you, how do they do that though? Right now, the bench tried. I did. See I it saw. Last I night. appreciated that. I did. I saw the bench trying. Uh, that's another topic too with the bench, and I know we're running out of time here, but. Cal's got to figure out what he's doing with his rotation. Cameron Fletcher started a game two two games ago. He played one minute yesterday, which I think that's you can't a big tell mistake. you can't tell me that he did he done anything worse than some other guys did to just play one minute is what I'm saying. That's the part that's confusing me right now is he doesn't know where he wants to go. Uh, Lance Ware, I mean, I'm I'm pretty much to the point that I just he can't be a factor this year. I don't expect him to yeah. be a factor. I just, and that's I think fair. That's fair. It's fine. But that's where I'm coming from. When Keon gets back, this is going to be a seven man rotation. This will be the most similar thing to how short the rotation was in 2012. Mm-hmm. He will play seven guys. I think there's some games he might play six. Yeah. I mean, we went into this season saying. What are the chances they go nine deep? What are the chances they go ten deep? What are the chances they go eleven deep? You know, they're talking about how Jacob Toppin's making this high impact in practice, and now he's he's surprising guys, and they wanted to push for a waiver from him. What are the chances that they go nine, ten, ten or eleven deep? In an ideal world, if they were contributing the you know the way they probably could, yeah, I think Calipari. I mean, we, Calipari is showing that he's willing to be flexible with the rotation. I mean, shoot, he's he's throwing stuff against the wall and just seeing what sticks at this point. He's he's trying everything with a rotation. If he had the opportunity to platoon or do something wacky right now, if the talent level and 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 just you know pure impact justified that, he would he would he would be able to to be flexible and be willing to be flexible. But right now, this team is not giving him that level of 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 you, you know, he doesn't have that idea of okay, this is that formula that works. He is still to this day confused, trying to figure out what to do with this team because they're not giving him any answers yet. This is our first road trip since Florida, you and I together. And here's the thing that's crazy about this: nobody that stepped on the floor that day was on the floor last night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bizarre. Cal doesn't even look like the same guy. Cal's going all Bob, Bob Huggins on us, you know, with yeah. the long hair and just the. Uh, 
sweatsuit yeah. look. Yeah, I need something to be normal, even if it him him cleaning up his cut and then even coming in a suit, just something normal for me here. Uh, I don't know. I still think this team can be good, but I'm starting to trend towards that they can't be great, and I that's think that's the concerning thing in my mind is because honestly, I thought that this team had all the pieces to be great. And I think in a normal year, I would still believe that after this start. But right now, you just don't know when the season's going to be, when you're going to get the the plug pulled on you for two weeks or ten days. Gonzaga's out till the 14th right now, mm-hmm. who's the number one team in the country. It can happen to anyone. Kentucky will have a game canceled, postponed due to COVID-19. Every single team playing college basketball will at some point this yeah. year. That's just the, the life that we're living in. This is the one team that can't afford that mm-hmm. because they need to play. They needed. They honestly needed a non-power five game Tuesday night. Yeah, that's that, what they need. That would be, and they're not getting it right now. Yeah, their next test is going to be freaking Notre Dame yeah. at Rupp Arena. Yeah. All right, we will end it there. Uh, we obviously appreciate you guys letting us vent to you for a little bit. Hopefully, this makes you feel a little bit better because I, you know I think talking talking it through. It, it, we all needed this. It's a it's a vent session. We we hope to be a little uh, therapeutic plug for you on this fine Monday morning afternoon whenever you're listening to this. So we appreciate our listeners as always. Uh, Sean, where can fans find your work? Uh, GoBigBlueCountry.com. You can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. You can find me on Twitter as well at JackPilgrimKSR. Reach out to me via email uh, at JPilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. We'll be back. I guess after the Notre Dame game for hopefully a positive postseason breakdown. Please, please, that'd be fantastic. Uh, As always, we appreciate you guys, and we will see you next time.